hey, going what's on? up, guys? How you feeling? Much. I'm doing great, man. Just uh, just woke up and uh, I'm at the crib. Very nice. Robe, man. I yeah, got me a, too. I got a. That's much better than what we look like. <laughs> um. I look very put together, but this is this is just what I wear when I wake up, and uh, my mom bought this for me. Nice. That's, <laughs> for that's where I got the ro- only robe I have too. <laughs> uh-huh. you get robes from is from your mom. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And if you got a, if you got a girlfriend that cares enough, which then she, you got a good one if she's buying your stuff like that. She's talked about getting me a robe, my girlfriend. Uh, not yet though, so I don't know. I'm. <laughs> I, I still have wants to cover you up. That's why. <laughs> the different um, yeah, so you got to get it. You got to get it monogrammed too. You know, with the embroidery, with the initials. That's next level. If she gets me yeah, that, dude. keep her. <laughs> dude, funny story about this. My mom got it embroidered right, and I'm from New Hampshire, where it's just like. Sometimes I go up there, and I'm like, "Wait, that costs what?" It's so cheap. Everything's like, it's like they're living back in time, which is amazing in a way. And she like went and the guy did it by hand and all this and that and like gave her the bill and it was $7. (laughs) You know? Maybe I can afford a monogram on my clothes. Yeah, dude. Like in New York, they'd be like, oh, that's $150. You know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Easily. Oh, that's great. Brad, actually... You could borrow this because it's got two of your initials. So just so you know. Oh yeah, perfect. I just cover up the W. <laughs> there you go. Just pick it out. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well. Uh. Yeah, man. You look comfy. If you're ready, we'll get started in a sec. I don't know if there's anything you want to steer clear of talking about. Feel free to let us know. Um. Too and late. We usually now, go... we're cutting out the robe stuff. We've already started. I mean, come on. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're already recording. We can just keep going. Yeah. I was. I was ready. Yeah. Okay. yeah yeah but I'm you know let us go no I, I don't gotta hold anything back no all right cool and we'll sh- we'll shoot for maybe like hour and a half uh unless okay you, know, you got any you got any other uh preferences or time constraints no uh, that's fine man at some point i might have to go make a second cup of coffee oh Same. i feel you man if you do if you need to i'll go make one in solidarity with you yeah <laughs> cause... Do coffee break 45 minutes in let's go get let's get hyped up <laughs> Good. All right, man. Sounds good. Well, then uh, let's get it started. Welcome to the Mink and the Monk, everybody. My name is Brad Monkel. Over here is my uh, co-host, Matthew Fink. And we're joined today by the great Brady Watt, uh, legendary bassist, multi-instrumentalist, producer, now singer, uh, amazing series on YouTube, Bass and Bars, that you should check out. Um, Brady, I've been a big fan of your of what you've been doing on YouTube and Instagram for a long time. And I've only had more fun doing research for this interview. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, I want to give you a, uh, you know, it's a little late belated congratulations on being in remission. Uh, You recently went through uh, treatment for cancer. And again, man, uh, you're, you're, you're an inspiration from so many angles, but um, just the way you've been so frank about it when I've heard you talk about it online is, uh, you know, you put a lot of great healing energy out for, you know, for other musicians, you know, whether it's just how you live your life or how you're doing your music. And it's great to see. Um, I did hear you say on the Leave Looking Up podcast that you're still, your hands are still sore uh, from from the treatment that you've, you've still um, 
had to deal with some side effects from that. How are you holding up now and how is that progression going? Yeah, the, the, uh, that's pretty much gone now. Um, they were kind of numb. You know, I mean, like when I wake up, my hands and feet are a little bit numb, but it's gotten better every day since, you know, I think I stopped treatment and uh, my last chemo treatment was in May. Sorry, let me. Uh... I'll be your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Frozen. Some technical difficulties. Screen frozen, so the audience can get a good look at the uh, the robes. initials on the yeah. robe as Love we were talking about. Good feature. And I have some loved ones, you know, behind bars. That's like a perfect robe to send somebody, you know. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a robe, Matt? I do, and my lovely wife bought it for me. I have I have a couple of robes, um, and uh, they both were gifts from her. Shit, man! If my girlfriend's yeah. listening, she better be taking notes. Yeah, bro, <laughs> yeah. there you One are, sec, guys. No worries. I, yeah, it's it's still recording, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, someone was someone was calling me, and it like kicked me off the thing. Oh, um, no. Okay, so yeah, let's 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 re <laughs> let's restart it. Um, someone who knew I was doing an interview. Okay. Um, You're talking about your <laughs> circulation or waking up with a little bit of, I didn't know, I was going to ask you if that was treatment related or if it's a circulation thing, but you were saying your your hands and your feet are a little tingly in the morning. That's where you left off. Yeah. So, yeah. So we can cut and then come right here. So, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, start, I, did, I had my last chemo treatment in May of 2022. So it took a little recovery um every day i've gotten better man and you know there's still a little bit when i wake up but yeah my hands are working fine now um my feet were kind of numb but but now now it's all good i'm i'm actually in better health now than than before i was diagnosed because you know these things come into your life for a reason and uh it it wisens you to the game and in makes you aware of your health and i was pretty healthy dude like before that you know what i mean i'm training muay thai i'm eating good and all this and that but still kind of living like a rock star you know what i mean um you know like you know drinking and smoking and all this yeah, and well, since then I've, I've quit i've quit all of that i i don't, I don't even really oh, okay. i haven't like publicly been like oh yo i don't do that but yeah i quit drinking smoking weed um just like super dialed in you know what i mean and i wasn't like a, you know i wasn't like an alcoholic or anything but like i've found that as life goes on you need to keep tightening up your habits and rising above to where you were before to get further and it mm -hmm. takes a lot you know it's not it's not simple like to to, to gain the real progress you get to make pretty serious sacrifices Sometimes life dishes them at you, and then you got to fight them. And then uh, a lot of the time, it's just within you. you. You put boundaries. You're like, all right, I'm doing this now. I'm not doing this. I got to do this amount of videos a week. I got to practice this amount. That's how you really progress, you know? Yeah. Has so, that... yeah I've, I've, I've learned a lot, man. I mean, I'm sure that, you know, you get a lot of positive feeling just in how you 
feel day to day and um you know especially i'm sure when you're working out and everything doing other activities but musically like when you're channeling creative ideas have you noticed a difference in in how you feel you know getting away from drinking and smoking and all that yeah uh you know uh, i was doing pretty good before but yeah definitely just in a clearer mind state i'm getting more stuff down there's there's an adjustment um i think with with you know with weed it's it's it helps with creativity it, it does you know what i mean <laughs> but, but uh it's just it's not the best habit to be doing all the time you know because you just get in the habit of doing it like every time you're in the studio especially being me i'm in like the rap world so i'm <laughs> surrounded by <laughs> by vice right my whole yeah. life man you know i've been in that since i was a kid so um but i've always been pretty disciplined so i wasn't you know i wasn't like a total mess up or anything but like yeah i've, I've had to enforce rules upon myself uh yeah but you know what honestly yes yeah, since i've really quit everything my career was kind of sharpened it, it's gone up my following went way up i mean that's really just because i just uh the beginning of the year i'm like okay i'm just gonna post a reel every day whether it's an old one a new one me talking to the camera on the way to the studio me playing bass bass and bars it could be anything but i'm posting a reel every day and it takes me about an hour i just did it before you guys called um you know what i mean and and you know that's that that's settled i'm not like messing around on my phone all day i just like post it and then i'm out then i'm going and like going to the studio do whatever i have to do and i'm always yeah. filming the content um what i tell people i get it how i live so i a lot of it is on my phone I'm playing bass every day. I'm writing songs. I'm I'm living the life, and I'm just kind of capturing it. And that that that's what turns into the content. So it's not necessarily work. Sometimes I'll set aside shoots to do specific stuff, but uh, obviously for bass and bars and certain things. But usually I'm just like that's just what I do. So I'm just capturing what I do. Yeah, man. Um, well, it's it's uh, like I said, I'm, it's very inspiring to see you know how you tackle all that stuff, and I know that. You've been talking about uh, more recently pushing yourself to sing more, which I also know was affected by the chemotherapy. But uh, yeah, hearing you on on the uh, new Styles P track that you guys did together, your singing sounds awesome, and uh, that's something I've been trying to push myself to do too. It it, it mm. you know, it's really refreshing to see like good, um, good, I'm good. trying to make myself sing on my gigs and and push myself because I don't you know I never love my singing voice um doing yeah. this is like how i try to get myself to like my speaking voice but i'm still so yep. far off from the singing like where <clears throat> how did you feel about your voice all these years like what are the big what are the big things that have pushed you to uh i guess be more comfortable tackling singing i would i would start with i implore everyone to do it because there are a lot of the benefits are are overwhelming so let's start here Everyone, once you start using words in music, you double your pot on the publishing end of things because publishing is half music, half words, right? So once you say, I'm a writer, dink, I'm too, okay? We, in the, we use words every day. Like, I feel like there's a lot of like mysticism, ooh, songwriting, like, 
It's like, nah, dude, we're using these words every day. We're listening to music every day. All your favorite songs are, are simple. They're really not hard. It, uh, you know, it takes work, of course, but it's really just not that crazy. Like the first song that I did was, um, what happened was I just honestly never intended on being a singer. I was very compositionally based doing that for like 20 years or something, or how many years? Yeah, probably 20. So I started singing professionally when I was 35 in 20, in the year 2020, just now. And uh, really just because I was, I just didn't intend on it. I was with all these people doing it. And I was always like, oh, that's what they do. And this is what I do. But it was really just a self-permission button that I pressed one night. And I had, a, luckily I had a lot of validation uh, because of where I, I had already gotten, because this is what happened. I, I produced a song for Papoose and Wiz Khalifa. Um, I it called, um, is it worth it? And I made the beat and Wiz did the hook. And I was like, I got all the files and I was like, this is amazing. I got this Wiz Khalifa track that I did. And, um, and he did the hook and I'm like, but that sounds like a post hook. The hook isn't really complete. I got an idea for a hook. So I went in and sang the reference of it. Um, and I intended on sending that to my friend, Ro James, who's like an R&B star. And anyone I would have hit up would have came through and sang the hook for me, right? Um, and I had him dialed up and then, but I'm listening to the song and I'm like, dude, this sounds good with me on. And the lyrics were, is it real and is it worth it grinding all of your life? How does it feel when I prove you wrong right in front of your eyes? That was all the lyrics, which once again, not re reinventing the wheel. You know, that's just, that's my life. That's just what it is. And, and, and I put it down and then they loved it. Papoose loved it. Wiz loved it. We dropped the record. I'm featured on the record. We got it on Netflix. I got everyone paid out the frame for it. And then everyone's like, Brady's a singer now. He's a perfect, like, it was just like, that's so pretty that, legit. That I mean, was, you're on the track with Wiz and Papoose. I mean, good debut. Even <laughs> sabotage myself out of it, you know? Yeah. It was like I was like, that was it, and that was fortunate because, and even that moving forward was a huge psychological battle every day, and I started working on it very hard after that because I was like, I have something to offer here that's very different. And obviously people, you know, it's working. If something's working, keep doing it. Especially if you release it and, and it works like with the people. I do, you know, that a lot of what I do is from that. So I just started working on it every day, get a vocal coach. Um, I practice it every day. I do vocal exercises every single day, like clockwork in the shower. Yeah, um, yeah. I have like my little beats pill, but I have these, these Spotify vocal exercises because it's like going to the gym dude you gotta you gotta hit them exercises every day and build the muscles in your body and your breath control and uh but you you accelerate quickly because we use our voices every day yeah well it's, but it's like you said you know it's 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 psychological like it's so easy to create a block for yourself because there's so many things yes. i've always wanted to try i wouldn't say i kind of never really thought of myself as a singer but there are definitely a lot of like other things I could be practicing where I 
just I, I procrastinate or I, I have a mental block about getting to it because it's it can be so much to take on. But like you said, doing it every day, that's what really makes the difference. That's when you start to notice and it's making me it's making me want to do it more. I was practicing singing for hours yesterday yeah. <laughs> after I did some research to your stuff like I it is it is good inspiration to have. I, I heard you talk on a podcast about how, you know, early on your your ear training was a tough thing for you that you really had to catch up on that's that's another thing i relate to it took me so many years to feel comfortable with my ear um and yeah. uh i mean it's just so cool hearing about uh you know where you've come from musically but i do want to delve a little deeper into that i mean i, I know you started playing guitar at the age of 13 like what was your experience and concept of music before that before you were really playing it I listened to, uh, I was like a real hip hop head since I was like eight years old from my, uh, my older stepbrother, uh, Teddy Dillon, rest in peace. He put me on to a lot of music, man, early on, um, Tribe Called Quest, Wu-Tang, Nas, like all the classics. Cause at this point, so I was born in 86, so this was 94. So it was like, the popular music that was out was the best hip hop ever made dropping constantly. Mm -hmm. It was, it was unbelievable to be a kid in the nineties, dude. The music was crazy. The freaking rock and roll was amazing. The, and like people, you know, I sound like the old guy doing this, but dude, the music today, it doesn't compare with the nineties, bro. The rock, the, the, the hip hop, the R and B, come on. Like, don't even I feel you man don't 90, even start 93 like, and 94 are two of my favorite years for music man don't yeah dude what yeah I don't blame you man this was coming at me and, and I'm I'm breathing all this in I was really into break dancing I was really you know I grew up in Nashua New Hampshire which is like a small city um in New Hampshire it was sort of cultural but definitely a bubble but it was urban enough um it wasn't the country I was just really into that whole thing, man, you know, um, for whatever reason. Were there break dancers? Were you break dancing? I never heard you mention that. I was, like, yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I was, you know, I, like a kid. You know when you're a kid, you, you do a million things. But you know there what, was actually, definitely like a year when I did that. Yeah, hard. Now that you, now that you mention it, I, not, I wasn't like into hip-hop as a little kid, but I knew what – I knew I'd heard of break dancing, and I, I – I do recall I went to I was like the ring bearer at a wedding when I was four or five years old. And I I don't I didn't know really what break dancing was besides spinning on the floor. But at the reception, I tried to do it. And a man stepped on my little little tiny four year old fingers. So that so oh. I guess I was also into break dancing at a young age. I forgot about that. <laughs> Damn, dude, he was probably drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably he's at a wedding i hope he was yeah right, right. But, uh... yeah look up for the kids at the wedding guy yeah <laughs> i was in eighth grade though when all that stuff was really happening so i'm surprised it was still a thing in the 90s i mean i had we had fat shoelaces and we're watching breaking and the electric boogaloo sequel like i was a kid oh yeah that, that was came good out. stuff <laughs> yeah yeah i was i was actually a kid so I can't dance. I couldn't dance then. I certainly can't dance now. But I'm just surprised in the 90s. I think of the early, when you're saying 93, 94, I'm thinking Pearl Jam 
and low end theory. I'm not thinking. Uh, I didn't realize that that break and break dance was still a thing. <laughs> oh yeah, they they kept they kept going there. They kept elevating it. I mean, there's there's people that do it now much better than ever. You know, that's just how society works. People yeah. build on on whatever. You you look at the break dancing competitions now. These dudes are just like acrobats. I mean, it's not even break dance. I mean, they're they're defying gravity. They're like contortionists half the time. Oh, it's, it's, it's freaking yeah. unbelievable, man. Do you ever get to work um, with breakdancers? Have you like backed up breakdancers or had Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they've you? been around. They've been around. I haven't done much work with them, but you know, there's yeah. always like shows. Yeah, yeah it's the hip hop shows. People start doing the audience. People. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the pillars of hip hop for sure. Uh, you know, breakdancing, graffiti, uh, MC, turntablism. That's the four. Mm -hmm pillars of hip-hop so you know that's get a salute the breakers always did you graffiti too i mean i know you you're a, a member of your punk band smash city was a great graffiti uh or a extreme graffiti artist i heard you tell a story yeah, yeah. uh tagging your band name underneath a a bridge um were yes. you doing the graffiti were you do you do turntable i mean I'm, I'm sure in your production you do turntablism but were you like are you would you consider yourself a turntablist would you consider yourself an mc have you practiced those things enough or do you just have so, too much respect it's just like yeah you know well this is uh for graffiti yeah i used to write it with the can is takes a lot of honing in. it's hard I, I did it i've dropped bombs on walls but i've never done like good pieces that's yeah. like takes a long time to, to hone in very uh so I wouldn't say I'm officially that, but yeah, I got notebooks full of graffiti, you know, in this closet right here from, you know, in, in when I was in school, for sure. I was pretty artistic uh, as a kid, but when I was a little kid, I drawing was my whole thing Dude, um, to the point where my mom is, <laughs> my mom is surprised. I, everyone's surprised I did music because I just kind of started doing it when I was 13. Um, you know, I mean, I just was just like, oh, now I'm playing guitar. And then I just, I just did it. I really just picked um, music. You know, it's like, yeah. it's not like I'm a natural musician. It, it, like with the ear thing that we were talking about before, it just took lots of years of work. I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't born this good at it. I wasn't, same with the confidence. People are like, oh, you're so confident. I'm like, dude. I had stage fright like everyone else. It's because I've done thousands of shows. That from that's that's how I had that. I, I I remember being shook before going on stage, having to freaking chug whiskey before going on stage <laughs> to get rid of the nerves when I was when I was coming up. You know. Yeah, man, dude, it's it's yeah. it's too funny that you said like like same here, man. I was way into drawing. I thought I was going to be an artist um, for like most of my life, and then before high school, I just started playing bass. Um, and I was really into punk rock and I'm, I'm curious how you transitioned from being such a hip hop head into being, I mean, in, into, uh, being in punk bands and how those two worlds met for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started playing guitar at 13 and just practiced every day. And then, you know, you know, when you're learning guitar and you're like really in it, you're, you then are seeking out music to learn how to play. So that was that then started guiding the trajectory. And I got into like, you know, Sublime and Blink 182 and um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, all the popular stuff of the day, the, the popular punk at first and just getting into all that. And then, 
when I got good enough, um, started playing in, in my band and we needed a bass player. So I switched to bass. And that's when I, I was like 14. And that's when I got more into the underground um, theme in in New England. And, and a lot of the bands that influenced me, um, I, it was so underground that they don't even have records out. Like they're not even, you know, recognized bands. Some of them were got pretty big, like Big D and the Kids Table. They're oh, yeah, still yeah, going. I listen to Big D, yeah. Yeah, I was like rocking with them, like when they were just still doing the VFW halls and all those oh, wow. gigs. My band was playing, and I don't even think we ever got big enough to open for Big D. Like that was there was the type of thing where if, if we did that, I would be hanging up, even if I like opened for a band like that. That was my only goal as a as a kid then, you know. But your goals keep on changing. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have a particular favorite punk bassist? So many, man. Uh, I, I would say Matt Freeman from yeah, Rancid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's you know, he's amazing. probably the best. He's one of the yeah. He's one of the best. He's one of the best bass players, man. Yeah, he tears it you up, know. man. I, I I love. I I couldn't even when I was playing more punk. I couldn't even learn those lines by ear. I I would try. The other guy, my my main guy for punk was uh Matt Mark Mike Watt from the Minutemen. That's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's my yeah, favorite brand of punk, man. Um, yeah, gotcha. Um, so, uh, I guess, you know, working in punk rock, there is like a certain associated mindset and ethic. And what is, what is punk? I, like, like, did this punk right. as a, as an ethic or a, a style, like, how does that affect you today? Do you, like, are you, are you still as, concerned with being punk as you were back then no no i mean there's like you know you know how it is with with punk rock it was it's very like oh this band's legit that band isn't oh yeah this is i was i was the biggest snob (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah like you can't listen to blink 182 oh dude that would have been me trust me (laughs) yeah exactly yeah like that's Punk is so that hip hop is like that too, man. Like, but there's, there's levels to that. Right. Eventually I had to shed that. It's still in my mind. There's still a high level of discernment. Like I know what's legit, what's kind of like made in a lab. What's kind of like, Oh, this rapper with rap, let me tell you, is a whole thing too, because it's like, Oh yeah, that dude, you know, he did time, man. Yeah. He's legit. Yeah. He's okay. Yeah. Like, you know, they're fucking their rap sheet like it's it's insane man you're like oh this guy he didn't really do that he did you know what i mean and i i know who did and who didn't i know these guys in real life man some of yeah. these guys are like yeah i know who isn't lying on those records i can tell you right now some of them are um, behind bars some of them are like fake hamburgers they're beyond bars right (laughs) yo it's it is yeah so honestly that whole punk rock thing is still present in the in the rap world for sure in in a lot of ways uh yeah yeah, so that i don't even know what to call that but it's the same with metal like the metal heads were the same way and it's like but honestly people be like oh do you were you influenced by corn and lit biscuit and i'm like no no i didn't listen to that (laughs) Like, I just, that wasn't part of the code. You kind of couldn't listen to, I, I'm not a metalhead when I was a kid. I, I appreciate it now. I listen to Metallica and all this stuff now. 
um, as a kid, I didn't listen to it as much. There's a lot of bands I didn't because it like wasn't in the in the range for some reason. Like I even just got into Bruce Springsteen like when I was like 30, and I like I'm obsessed with Bruce Springsteen now. And I just never listened to him growing up. I don't know why it like wasn't cool or something. Same. Yeah, but I'm never, like, yeah, that shit is it. amazing. Yeah, if you listen now, you're like, no, this guy's great. I I've had to learn some for some like pop gigs, and I've had a good time with them. I can dig it. Yeah, I I got to check yeah. out more. I'll get there. Um. Uh, speaking of listening to Metallica, um, are you forming a supergroup now with Robert Tru- Truio? Or how do, I always forget if I'm pronouncing that quite right, but uh, I heard you talking about uh, the new song you have out with him and the drummer from, uh, uh, who does he play drums with again? Uh, Rage Against the Machine. Right, of course. Rage was someone I, was a group I never really got into when I was younger too, but now, oh, I, really? now looking back, I feel like I should have. I feel like it would have made sense, but they felt too I'm popular when I was into punk. It just felt like anyone who was popular when I was in the punk, I was too much of a douche. I was like, I know that, yeah, I know that. Whole <laughs> um, but but I, but the um, but I mean, please tell us a little bit about this this new project because it's it's uh, and and as far as rock and punk goes, that's a, that's an exciting mix and uh, it's a it's a very cool sound you guys have together with the well, yeah, effects you're putting on the double out, bases. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The video just came out or I just watched it earlier this morning. Actually, I don't remember. I didn't look at when it came out. but that It came out last uh, when did that come out? Last summer. So pretty, yeah, pretty recent. Yeah. Um, the song is called Nobody Home. Yeah. Yeah, and I was good. When you were talking about singing earlier, I love how it's just a a little bit of a hook that you throw in there and then yep. the two bass thing is cool i was going to ask you about that just because i couldn't tell if you're using some kind of an octaver or if you're just playing the, the bass like a, like a like a guitar with some overdrive and some other things but it was a very cool i'd never heard anything like that before i thought it was very cool like like yeah fronting the band with that it, with another bass i thought that was pretty badass yeah man um we we definitely have a super group going and we're working on new material um it's it's going to be it's going to be real interesting and the the whole approach with that with that group is uh whatever we do is going to sound like it's never been done before you know that's like the whole thing like it's very particular the ideas that we're working on um and it started with that one song and yes, that uh, and the song is called "Nobody Home." It's on YouTube. It's everywhere. Um, the that bass that I use—that's my modulus quantum—and I string it from E to C, and I use uh, distortion on it. I use the Rat distortion pedal, yes, which is just the classic one. Yeah, yeah. That um, you know, I even have. It's funny because I have that same Rat pedal in my computer. It's like called something different, but it's modeled after that. UAD makes it. It's called raw, but the raw thing is just the rat pedal. And I've been using that on vocals forever. That's what Kanye uses on all those distorted vocals. I should say Mike Dean, the guy that mixes the Kanye uh, material, he uses the same thing because he gets it. He's a he's a guitar player. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, Mike Dean's a, a legendary musician, sound designer. But yeah, the rat pedal is it. That's just like what I when I when I find stuff that works, I'm like, that's what I'm using. 
Yeah. Like, I don't need another distortion pedal. You can give it to me. I, I ain't going to use it because I, I know how to, I know how to just dial that one in. Um, and yeah, it's a sound that people haven't really heard. Everyone's like, what is that? And it's like, well, it's because I tune the bass a certain way. Yeah. When Even I was with listening your... to it, I was looking for the guitarist. I was like, oh, it's you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, cause I, I was listening to it and then I looked at the screen and you have this remarkably bright uh, yellow uh, suit, right? Is that like so? <laughs> that yes, <laughs> yes. And then I'm and because I, I I wasn't looking at the screen when it came on, and then I looked. I was like, oh, it's two bases. Oh, it's you. Yeah, I, I get it. I yeah, didn't yeah. realize that you were. It was pretty. I'd never heard anything like that. I thought it was very cool. Yeah, yeah. The two bases and that that project. I'm just doing no guitar on it and. When you put uh, boundaries creatively on there, and it's not put in a box, it's more so like it's an aesthetic choice. Like if you're just using bass, it's going to come out different. It's going to sound different. That track hits hard, dude, and it's because yeah. it's only basses. You know, you got to mix it a certain way, but it, it just it feels different. And that's why people are like, oh, okay. You, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, we're coming, we're coming with more on that. Yeah, I sure. wanted to ask you about that, Brad. I don't know if you had a question. You were just no, go, go ahead. But on, um, I wanted to ask you as far so you are you doing you are using some modeling things. I don't know if you're using modeled cabs or on your record. I was listening. I listened to that twice yesterday on uh, uh, Life Tronic. Is that what that was? Called? Is that what your album's called? I yeah. Wanted, yes. I wanted to ask you about it because sometimes the bass. What's really interesting about your sound. Uh, is there's not there's doesn't sound like there's a lot of process certainly posting any it doesn't sound like there's like it sounds pretty dry the signal I don't hear a lot of reverbs or a lot of production or not production but effects after it so I wanted to know if you're doing that if you're modeling or if you are playing like a four by twelve in the studio because I've watched a ton of your videos and I see you in the studio but I can't tell if there's an amp somewhere else and I I see you're using a looper when you're doing uh those live performances in the studio uh, but i was curious about how you're recording that if that's something you do if you're using both ideas or if it's one or the other yeah i just i just go direct i, I never worry about the amp actually on the records cool um sure, i'm sure there's a way that i mix it that may emulate that but um i just go direct i i do everything at the, at the speed of let's get the record done because the reality of me as a producer is I'm like a beat maker. I, I come from the hip hop world. So we're just like recording the audio and then editing it. Like, okay, the rapper's here. We got to get him to finish the song, whatever, however many blunts has to get rolled, you know, <laughs> bottles of Hennessy, um, get the friggin' record done. We're in the back of a tour bus. We're in the basement of a strip club. Who knows where we are? But you gotta just finish it. I'm not worried about like all the gear, to be honest. I'm like, what's around, you know? Yep. Because the real trick is like you're only gonna be with this. You may not see this guy for three years, dude. Like you may like start this record and then like he's gone. So so in a lot of the great records I've made were in in conditions that were not favorable. It was just like it's a vibe. You wanna just capture what it is so with the bases i each different base i have has a different um function i got you know my fender p bass has the p bass function of course 
I have my fretless quantum five string, which is my main bass. I've played like exclusively since I was 18 years old. The fretless bass is, is my main bass where I live. Um, I have my, uh, and I played my whole career as a session player on that till I was 30. I didn't even own another bass, which was actually pretty, oh, wow. pretty weird that I look back. I did all that stuff on a fretless bass, um, for a decade. And then, uh, the quantum five threaded bass, which modulus just built me a few years ago, which I kind of converted into a quasi guitar. It's like a tenor bass as, uh, Stanley Clark, uh, refers to his that's kind of like that as a tenor bass but and i do that except i put distortion on it a lot of time and without it it's there's a nice clean vibe um i have my punk rock bass that has all the stickers on it it's called the y2k bass because that's the year it's from and that one's kind of like broken you know it's like not very good which is cool on record sometimes um and then i have my upright bass, which is an upright bass, which has several functions, including arco, uh, you know, strings. Um, the the whole the bowing thing is a whole world in itself, especially yeah. for film scoring and creating that vibe. I mean, that's that's untouchable. You can't mimic that. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, my whole thing is based off of the actual. Um, instruments rather than sitting there manipulating on a computer for days i, I don't I, i'm very good at computers too but i not too much time is spent messing around in that and then all the synths i don't touch synths or keys anymore and i did for years and i'm, I'm very schooled in sound design and uh and, and music synthesis but carlos holmes who's a virtuoso piano player um and synth sound designer madman he is with my production company and he's just in the room next to me every single day so i get the the record to a point and then carlos goes crazy on it and does drums co-production that's all dialed in we're we're linked up mentally like you know chefs they get on that level <laughs> where they teach the other one how exactly how to do certain things and work in tandem um that's how we operate at this point well, that's fascinating. very cool very cool yeah um i mean yeah we i do uh want us to keep diving deeper into um you know production and hip-hop before we get too far from punk rock i'm curious to know out of all of the you've worked with so many legendary hip-hop artists who do you bond the most with over punk rock who's in the hip-hop you know what i mean like which hip-hop artists have gotten the most excited with you about rock and punk? Well, two of them. Uh, one, Talib Kweli, is, was a huge punk rocker as a kid. Uh, he, I mean, he's really into, like, the Stooges. He actually put me on okay. the Stooges because I didn't really even... I didn't listen to them as much. He's a huge Iggy Pop fan amongst many other groups he's he's a big punk rocker and honestly not many of these guys are but he he is and uh dj premier is very very uh a wealth of information rock and roll not necessarily just punk rock but rock he's yeah. super deep on the rock and that's how he grew up if people don't know this because they know primo as like primo the 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 man the myth but as a kid he was like 
He was like, oh, yeah, I was like, you know, that that black dude in school that wore the leather jacket, hung out with, like, the goth chicks and the da-da-da. Like, it's, you know what I mean? So yeah. he's 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 just a dude, you know, like, he's, he's a legend, but he's just a dude like us, so he's gone through all these different phases. He actually got me really into the Smiths, and I, and once again, I didn't, I wasn't really into the Smiths until that's one of his favorite bands and now i'm like a smith super fan we went to go see morrissey a few weeks ago even me and preem and some friends it's, it's hilarious to see him he knows every word you know wow wow um, awesome. yeah so preem knows the shit with, with with the rock for sure yeah yeah it's super, super cool to hear about i mean he's one of the most legendary producers ever so it's it's good to know he's uh he doesn't he's not pigeonholed into into one genre but i guess you kind of have to be as a producer you i mean lifetronics like your album i feel like you've you hit so many bases across that album stylistically um it's you know it's i guess there's like a hip-hop backdrop like the production style in some ways but it really you really do touch on so many different styles it's kind of like its own its own vibe I, deeper was so funky i love that track um mm. and uh you know the 80 full color plates okay uh, yeah, such, yeah such yeah, beautiful yeah. like little that one feels like a little like symphony almost like it's it's such a cool interesting album w w when you were getting ready to to put that album together um was that like was that what you had in mind all along was uh a lot of the features or were, were, were you kind of torn between different concepts how you could start your recording career off you, you know what i mean like or did you have other ideas in mind for how you could present the first Brady Watt album, like what your vibe was going to be? You know what, man? I just, I just kind of make the music that comes to me that day, you know, and I'm, I do it every day. So I, I do end up touching on a lot of genres because I see a lot of common threads with all of it. To me, it's all the same. And then even in business, a lot of time we'll be talking and people will be like, Oh man, you, you, you know, you got to keep it here for a while, you know, and, and you know, because branding and I'm like, I don't really agree with I don't think that's a real thing. I honestly don't, because I'll switch it up totally and it'll work. I don't need to just do the same thing in that would be weird for me because I, I would then be forcing it if I was to try to keep it in one zone. So Lifetronics all those features those were all people i was just working with at the time man. none of that was orchestrated yeah. by anyone i did everything on that album myself including the pr and everything i was living in an abandoned building in harlem i did all that in an abandoned building dude i did hear you with mention a, that a, on yeah on, on the uh what is it leave looking up podcast i heard you talk about that a bit too and i wanted you to elaborate a little more on that situation yeah we uh so I was living in Harlem. I, I moved to Harlem. Me and my girlfriend had broken up um, in Brooklyn. So I had to get out of that house. We're cool now. Uh, but I had to leave. We were living together. So I'm like, I'm out of here. And I moved in with my boy in, on, uh, up in Harlem on 147th Street. And we lived there for a couple of years. And like, I was living in this like living room. I just had to get out of there. And I just got off like a huge tour, like a like a, the whole country i was gone for a while and i'm like okay i'm back in new york went there and then you know paying rent rent's a lot of money in new york man like i've always made money but a lot of it's went out the window to rent in like college loans and everything man it's like really expensive i don't even know how these these cats do it nowadays uh, but uh 
so yeah, we moved into on 137th Street. My boy Alameda, his family owned a brownstone on that street, and every once in a while we'd go there and like drink beers and like we'd like you know what I mean. But it was just this like cavernous, abandoned building, right? That his family owned, and there was some work done on it, like the top floor. They were they were remodeling it. They remodeled one of the bathrooms, but there was no heat in it. And it was literally a mansion. And I'm like, dude, can I like move in there? Cause I'm trying to pay this rent. Like I can't afford this. I keep getting behind on rent and I, there's no space, but we got this mansion down the street that we hang out at. Right. So his family let me move in there, man. And so I, I moved in there and then all of a sudden I had, um, like a five-story mansion where I just st- I set up like a studio in there and then started having people come over and record. And that's how Lifetronics happened. I would, I would have parties there. And this is like uptown, man, like in Harlem, for real Harlem. And we would have parties and like 200 people would show up, man. Oh my God. Not so like, like I, I have like, <laughs> dude, I had, I had friends that were like R and B stars and, and like, they would, they would be like, these dudes like heart thumbs, right? So they'd be like, party at, at uh, what was it like? Maybe, uh, what was the number of it? 179, 137th Street on like Instagram. And then just like mad people, like chicks and everything would show up. <laughs> the abandoned building out. had a better girl guy ratio than most bars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't trying to pay for no bars, bro. We'd have bottles of whiskey. And it was lit, dude. The rooftop, the backyard. It was it was amazing. So so once again, it was just the, it was a vibe. You know, that that yeah. album was a vibe. That was just what was happening. I was in Kuali's band. He blessed me with the feature. That was big. Melanie Fiona came to see me at the bitter end and she was like blown away by my plan. So we, she ended up like we stayed in touch and i was like yo i got this record but it was like dunk, 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 dunk. and i sent it to her and she wrote natural over it and recorded it in my closet dude or like i had like a closet booth you know like i uh yeah put a blanket up in there i had superstars up in there bro in that well that closet. was my that was my first time hearing melanie matt and i were talking about this i mean we love that track like i was blown away but I, I love that track. I listened to it a bunch and uh, I can't that's So it's in a closet. She did all the overdub. She did all the back. That's all her doing the background is. Wow. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, no auto tune too. That was before I didn't even use auto tune. I probably didn't have it back then. Yeah. She doesn't sound like she needs it, man. It was beautiful. Well, most records are there's auto tune on it nowadays. Even the good singers, it doesn't sound like it. It's on every, everyone uses it on everything. Wow. Everything. Yeah, we gotta start auto tuning this podcast, Matt. <laughs> Speaking of auto, I don't think I, I had a question about that because you do the legend, you do the Pi May tune. Oh yeah, 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 and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, man, this sounds higher than the original. And I wanted to ask you, and I don't mean higher with blunt strippers and cognac, but I mean, <laughs> like, could be that Brad, too, Brad. That's that's called a callback in comedy. <laughs> anyway, um, so. So, uh, but, it, but it, I was like, listen to it. I'm like, this sounds higher than Cause I love, that's absolutely one of my favorite scenes. And it, it, I was, I was listening to it. I was curious. I was like, did you, you, it sounds like you created something based off of 
uh, that the flute sound, or I don't know that that pan flute or whatever. That's not a pan. It's actually if that's what he actually is playing. I don't what is know. that a shakuhachi or what is that called? You know what I mean? The really the, long the, the Japanese. Flute. I'll go with you on that. Yeah. All right, I don't maybe maybe it's totally something different. It was a vibe though, awesome. But that was awesome badass, man, and I, I thought it was great. I was curious if you had bumped it up, uh, if that was a purpose thing or if it just just liked the way it sounded where it was. But I thought it was. Yeah, cool. I think I I probably just tuned it to whatever key I had done the uh, the music in, and, and a lot of that I do in Ableton. I just use the tuning. I just turned it up or down, just find what key it's in. Cool. Simple. Yeah, I, I use tuning a lot of stuff, not auto tune, but tuning the uh a lot of time i'll play a bass line and then just flip it up an octave in ableton you know sounds sounds mm -hmm. dope it, it cuts yeah. through do it on vocals whatever and when you're live yeah. you think like when you're doing the those live performances in the studio you're using some kind of looper on the floor yeah i have two loopers i use the uh the ditto uh oh, yeah. who makes that There's something ditto GG. Right, is that TC Electronics? Yes, I love TC. Yeah, that's good. That's a great. Yeah, I that's good. Too. I mean, I yeah. stomp right through it all the time. You know, I I I push the thing into itself and break it. But uh, <laughs> other than that, it's good. Uh, and then and then uh, several of them. But uh, and then I got the Head Rush Looper board. Oh, I don't know the big that. one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's like got like four banks. Like that's like the ultra one. That's that's probably the best loop pedal that exists as far as how the capabilities of it, because it can sync, it can MIDI sync to Carlos on in his computer uh, or my computer or whatever. So we're on the click or no click, or you can optimize everything. Oh, wow. Um, it's got effect banks in there, firmware. It's constantly updating. My college roommate invented it. Oh, so I've been oh, okay. playing on that. Yeah, I've been playing on it since it was a prototype. But it's a production thing. You can buy it. Anybody can buy one. Yeah. Yeah, and I just so happened to go to school with the guy. Yeah, that's... Well, you just so happened to hang out with a lot of cool people. Yeah. It happens. <laughs> like we, he, me and him go all the way back, though. We were just, like, assigned roommates. You know what I mean? Wow. There was, like, three three of us living in the same room. I was freaking mayhem when I was when I was 18 freshman year my boy Walt what up Walt yeah uh, you like this better than like say the boomerang then that's the other one I know that a lot of people use is the boomerang which is that the boss one no the boss is the loop station I have both that okay. and and the those are all good yeah 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 I like the boss one if I'm being honest is a little complicated because it's got one pedal and it does everything but you got to have some morse code happening with your feet to get it to do yeah 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 to do uh but i was so i don't know this one i'll i'll check the one out that you tell me the name again the one that your friend made it's called the head rush looper board cool all right I'll do yeah it. walt skorupski and uh who makes that uh yeah head rush head rush is a company yeah all right and as long as we're on the topic where did you go to school and what did you study uh berkeley college of music so you studied music. <laughs> I, I, I studied uh, professional music. It was kind of like a make your own, uh, choose your own destiny major, which was great because I just picked all the classes that I wanted, you know, Afro-Cuban slap bass lines, uh, harmonic ear training, one and two. Uh, you know, I, I was studying, you know, counterpoint, 
fugues, uh, everything, man. You know, it was heavy, heavy stuff, business stuff, music synthesis. I, I just picked dope classes. I actually technically didn't graduate because I still have six credits left. Um, but I did all the hard stuff and I had all good grades. Well, I teach at the College of St. Rose in Albany. I can probably get you in there for these last six credits if you want. Let me know. If you can, like, waive them, that would be good. Oh, well, I can't say that legally. <laughs> Do you want to forge them? <laughs> I wanted to ask you, though, though, because I, I teach an ear training class uh, and transcription class. And uh, I basically, the, what I've what I've come to find for me in the last you know, 25, 30 years is that the, the, the best thing to study is the tunes that you like to listen to, figuring out how to do what you're hearing. And I was curious how you were talking about ear training, if you're actually doing something formally or if you have in the past, or if it's just a matter of going to the records you like, sitting down with them for hours on end and, and listening and figuring out what's what's happening that is, is important you know i, I think i with, with berkeley we you're required to do ear training one through four like so it's like four semesters of solfege and all that you know advanced solfege uh that was very helpful pretty painstaking wasn't good at it you know but uh that was helpful. What was even more helpful, which is one of my favorite classes, was harmonic ear training, which was transcribing chord changes yep. in voicings. Yep. That's one of the most important things as a bass player, for sure. I, I wish I could have kept taking those. That that was great. And that was an elective. I was like, this should be, this honestly is more important than the regular ear training for us. I yeah, thought. that's what I'm dealing with, with. Uh, like right now, I'm doing. Uh, I did a doing a four week lesson on uh, PYT, and okay. Uh, so like, the first part of it is, is Lewis Johnson in the baseline and all the chord, just transcribing the chords so you can see how these chords are all in the same key and how he's playing over them. And it's funny to do it. I, I find that this is a much more productive way to do it. I, I the part of the class that's in solfege, I kind of abandoned for a minute and just doing this. Because they want the yeah. tune, so I'm just trying to strike a balance of keeping people interested, but getting the tools they need to move on and and figure out what to do in life. Both, both is it, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. Takes curious. a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot. I, of I, dude, and honestly, I, my ear got really good from playing in church. I played at a Baptist church since I first moved to New York, and that was because they're like thousands of tunes they, and they all just know them they're like oh yeah yeah it's it's uh glory be to god and da, da, da. they could play it in any key walking the bass on the organ with their foot singing directing the choir you know, to them they've been doing it forever but i was new i was i was a good bass player but i was new to this world i first moved to new york and this was like my only reoccurring gig it was saving my life you know I was saved by Jesus in real life, not even uh, rhetorically. The, that church gig <laughs> was putting the roof over my head um, and the, the food, and I was eating there too on Sunday too. But, but I go there and they play like two, three-hour services. Yep. And there was all these songs, and you just had to know how to – you had to know how to hop in because when, then 500 people are clapping. You, gotta, you better – 
Yeah. You're figure it out. You know, so that that pressure, pressure will make you step it up too, man. And, and you can read the organ player's foot. I'd be reading the foot and having to reverse it. Yeah, you I know. came up the same way when I and right around the corner from where you are, like in Showman's. I used to play in Showman's and with organ players. Showman's Catholic. in uh, where is that? That's uh, was on 125th. Between- oh, in Harlem, yeah. Harlem. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know you were in Harlem. I was, yeah. I lived in Inwood, gotcha. uh, but Dude, that's yeah, that's the best uptown New York. Yeah, man, and New York gets expensive as we where we started this conversation out, and but I didn't have a friend's brownstone to move into, so I just I kind of just figured it out. But yeah, it was uh, you know playing with organ players that that's you know like at the time that's that's what you we did a lot of church stuff in there but it was also a lot of r&b and a lot of blues and a lot of jazz stuff but it was trial by fire i i learned how to play there because you just do it in real time and if they don't like you they let you know and if they do like you they let you know and it's it's a it's an it's a great experience i wouldn't trade it for the world yes yeah you could i didn't make a Jesus didn't save me, man. I, I was <laughs> I was paying more in car fare to get home than I was probably earning on the gig, but it was pretty Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I know those uh, days. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I guess while we're on topic, you have a particular favorite gospel bass player? Because that that so I mean that genre is, is so uh ripe with amazing, amazing bass lines and uh I mean, personally, like Andrew yeah, Boucher. Man. Yeah, I, yeah, I was about to say, yeah, yeah, he's the guy. He's really the guy. Yeah. Uh, do you, Andrew do you, Boucher. You know do you still, like, true? study that stuff? Nah, I'm sorry, you go, really. you I go ahead. I, I, don't, I don't listen to it very much anymore. I'll listen to the classics. I don't listen to any new gospel. They kind of lost me because a lot of the new stuff, there might be some new stuff that's good, but... I hear sounds that they make now sounds like the white Christian music. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> you had it already. You, you, what you're doing was amazing. And now it's like that, like Hillsong bod. Yeah. I'm it's kind of like new agey. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool on that. I want the funk, man. I want the yeah. nasty, like John P. Key, you know, Hezekiah Walker, Marvin Sapp. Um, and I'm sure that still exists out there too, but the stuff I've been hearing is like not what I'm, I'm not feeling. So I listen to all the old stuff, uh, but yeah, Sheree Reed is a, is a crazy yeah, yeah, bass yeah. player, Thaddeus Tribbett, um, Andrew yep. Boucher, of course, um, uh, Fred Hampton, who I've been harassing, um, oh no, um, sorry, um, Ham, Fred Ham, Fred Hampton is a revolutionary figure uh fred hampton uh fred hammond on instagram i've been harassing him to do a bass and bars because he's he's one of the best man and he's singing too and he's running the whole show so yeah man we're gonna do a bass and bars bro something some like classic gospel me and him going in on it Um, very cool yeah well you guys want to do a coffee break what time is it yeah, we're what are we? About oh, we're just about an hour, hour in. So, if you want to go yeah. grab your coffee now, let's do coffee, well. man. Let's I'm messing up last name, so I'm gonna need some. I'm gonna need some caffeine. <laughs> Red <laughs> Hampton. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. we'll hit a few more topics um, before we Cheers. wrap it up. Let me know. Let us again. Let us know if 
if you got to wrap it up, cheers. Um, yeah, we'll go to like 1030, right? Works for yep. us. No, not um, 1030, uh, 1130. Yeah, 1130. Uh, yeah, right, right. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's talk about Basin Bars a little bit. Uh, very cool series. I don't um I don't know if if there was any uh, particular inspiration that got you into doing uh, that sp- particular setting. It's a cool thing to see as a basis, someone taking that on, um, putting the bass in the forefront, especially in in hip hop. It's it's really cool to see, but it's got to be it's got to be nerve wracking. Like, how do you? It's just you and the loops and the bass. It, was it scary when you first started doing the show? You know, episode five, you got exhibit and you got to nail these loops and and. And it's all on you as the basis. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't be used to that as a basis carrying all that weight. Is it? Was that how? How daunting was it at first to kind of reorient to this new type of performance that you don't see a lot? Yeah, I mean, I think just kind of rising to the occasion. I, I hadn't. I had done it before, but not a ton. But obviously, just just played so much bass in my life, man. You know. At this point, the bass is like, it's not that hard. It's not like I've played those lines so many times. Uh, of course, yeah, keeping the time. Like bass and bars, the, the, the biggest thing about that is, is keeping the time, keeping the tempo with, with the rappers, knowing what to play. Obviously, I have a lot of chops that I don't use a lot, man, because if once you start like, start doing fills it can throw the guy off because he chances are the rapper hasn't done this before you know like yeah. i've done it before to rap no they haven't who's who's doing that you know nobody so um my my job is to keep them on point too because i don't want them to look bad yeah i mean a lot of the parts you do in those are very they're very functional and you're really great at that like minimalistic uh like supportive vibe but still like i said like even though you play so much bass it it i you know to me i would be nervous that's like a it's i don't play like solo bass gigs and that's when you're just it's just you backing up the singer i feel like that's that's almost a departure of it, that role in the bass where it's you're you know you you don't have a drummer to to you know support you it's it's you're doing all that and uh I mean, it comes across great, man. It's an awesome series. Is there a particular, did you ever run into any issues on an episode where it was like a particular artist mate, you were just nervous to work with them or, uh, you know, looping was, was there any other like technical difficulties? Well, or was well luckily we can, we can do several takes, you know, usually yeah. it's on the first take, honestly, but, uh, do as many as we want so i'm not super nervous about that yeah sometimes the pedal messes up is million things can happen but um nah i mean the the main thing for me i over prepare for everything and to be honest i could show up and just wing it and listen to it right before and i've done that before too but like learn the baseline and go out on stage in front of thousands of people you know i've i can do that but if i have time I enjoy playing. I enjoy practicing. So I'll run this thing over and over and over again, man. Like, so like the more you prepare, the less nervous you are. Yeah. You, know, you just like run it into oblivion. And then when you show up, it like comes off real effortless and everyone loves it. 
and it looks like it's some mystery. Oh, this guy's great. And it's like, well, no, I just practiced for six hours yesterday. You know, like the, the MERS one where I'm playing that really, it was like almost a classical line. <clears throat> I practiced that for hours, hours, hours straight just for fun. Well, what else am I going to do tonight? I'm going to watch freaking TV. No, I'm going to sit here and play this thing to a click for hours. It's it's the badass, radio... man. I mean, you're oh, like I said, I, what you're are we doing here? Best of the best. Yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 amazing how confidently you can you you get up with those guys because they're legends. I love that the Eric Sermon episode. Also, I'm such a big Eric Sermon fan. That was so cool to see, man. Um, the Warren War, G episode. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's I mean, like I said, it's just you don't you, know, you don't see a lot of people approach the bass that way, especially within hip hop. And it's it's a it's a cool angle to take. Uh, do you have any other like particular uh, hip hop specific bass players that have kind of, I guess, inspired how you relate to uh, that genre from the bass? You know, all the, really all the producers all have a different swing. Primo has a certain swing to his beats where I've emulated that for years on the bass. Uh, Dilla has a certain feel. Pete Rock has a certain feel. Dre has a certain feel. Yeah. So it's not really the bass players that influence me on the hip-hop. It's more the producers. I'm sure they had different bass players in the studio, some of them, but Preem does all of it himself on a keyboard, very meticulously to the millisecond, sitting there over and over again with the kick, placing yeah. it exactly right. You know, it's a, it's a science the way he does it. All that. It's all about like the kick coming before the downbeat. That, you know, side kick, like the, the, the note before, that's what it's really about the uh the velocity or the i guess velocity wouldn't matter but the um the level of it in comparison to the next kick in volume and then the placement time wise where if you take it off a millisecond i'm gonna hear it hmm. it's very very particular that's what makes okay. it sound live does that over yeah. again every single instrument in his beats he's sitting there getting it exactly right there's no at all he'll, he'll make that loop perfect you know and then there's other there's other uh producers that are a little more loose with it yeah but like you said it's, you know, it, they have a specific swing it's like that that is a cool oh, yeah. thing to shoot for like i that's something i want to push myself to do is to be really good at toning within the like the daw or whatever program you're using to yeah. to get that yeah. because it, it, I mean I think that's one of my favorite parts about hip hop is the how it's pushed feel like you're saying like like Pete Rock has one of my favorite feels or like Easy Mo B like the mm -hmm. the the specificity of it I feel like like especially early on a lot of people assume because there's loops and more technology people are phoning it in and it's not and it's all like on the grid but no I f I feel like there's so much nuance to what hip hop has done for feel. Um, yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I, I guess like, like you said, it's, it really is a big thing for the producers. I'm, um, you know, I love like hub from, uh, the roots. Yeah. Know, yeah. Oh yeah. He's yeah. One of the tops, bro. Um, absolutely. But you know, it, it really, it really is like a, a big thing on the producers. I, I don't know if there's any drummers in particular, um, that you think of either. I know you like you've worked with uh, Daru Jones. He's a hip hop drummer. I love. 
but it's like you said man it's so it's so much of it is in the production um if uh i, I guess at this point is that like I, I know getting to work with primo is a big uh you know help in your development as a producer like uh who else you know when you were just starting to produce was like who did you want to be like or who who really like made a sound that made you want to you know make your own sound like theirs not like that you know what people, i mean though who who like yeah, really got well, the fire going well we're all really a culmination of all the different musical experiences we've had it's not like no one's i'm not just like an island i'm just a mix of all the people that i've worked with till now which is why it's important to just get outside and get involved in the scene because you're gonna it comes it it becomes a part of you every day, every uh, person that you meet, especially when you're a musician. Uh, I was with Ski Beats, the producer, for years, sitting next to him, mm-hmm. playing bass on all those records, watching how he does Ableton, to the point where eventually I was like, I'm just going to start producing because I'm doing the music and then he's doing the drums. And okay, I'm going to just do this now. And then I did Lifetronics, you know, not too long after that. Um, I worked with Decap, the producer, for years. He's from Nashua as well. He's like a, he's one of the top drum like sample makers in the world. Hmm. So he's like with the sound design and tailoring the drums in the music, getting the music right. He's a master of that. And we've been working together since we were kids. And I was kind of doing like the music and then he was, he was doing more of the drums and I was learning that that whole time. So now any given day, like yesterday, I pull a drum machine. I know how to pull all these drums from all different sample packs and stuff and make it, you know, sound crazy and unique. Like even the beat I did yesterday, I was just like, man, this, this dude is crazy, bro. Like the drum, the way I pulled it all together, this joint is out of control. You know what I mean? And it was like that, that whole drum programming thing is a skill in itself that takes 10,000 hours itself, bro. It sounds easy and it sounds like, oh, yeah, you can just pull it from a splice. And yeah, you can. But in order to really paint the picture with that, it takes a while. It's, it's like learning um, like color theory or something. Very specific. Oh, it yeah. translates. It's the intention. It translates to the listener, bro. They know. The listeners yeah. aren't dumb, bro. Because you listen with your uh, subconscious. And your subconscious is very smart because it's – it's not using all this other, your, our brains are clouded with all this crap. And you know what I mean? But the subconscious, when you're listening to music, you're feeling it. And that's why music, something like kind of obscure stuff somehow finds a way, finds a way. Like if your music's good enough, it's going to get out. It's really going to get up there, bro. I've seen it over and over again in my career. Even if the person is like a social train wreck, <laughs> I've seen their music excel some of the biggest not nah, dude you're not at all you're great at all. no I no i know better like yeah. what's up with this guy <laughs> their, their music is on the top of the charts because they're so freaking good man it's something about this thing that they're doing it it finds a way dude yeah man finds a way and uh, so when you're when you're all these different beat packs and uh, are you using ableton to put this together is it some or is it what, what dar yeah you, it's all ableton yeah yeah i've been on ableton for 16 years wow yeah yeah and you're just, is it some kind of midi controller to to trigger all of these things or do you 
Yeah, I use the Ableton Push, which I've been using also that since it was a prototype. They sent me it and it was like a clunky, you know, I actually helped. I don't own any part of it, but I definitely I helped uh, develop that with my feedback for sure with, with those guys. Wow. Um, yeah. Yep. Ableton. Ableton is the best for, for what I do. And they do a lot of audio, just recording audio, editing audio. A lot of, I do a, spend a lot of hours editing stuff, getting it exactly right. All in Ableton. Yes. Cool. Always Ableton. That- I should learn Pro Tools, but I, I haven't. Definitely I'm the opposite. I do Pro Tools, but I should learn Ableton, but I'll get there one day. Um, Good do you use Pro any Tools of it live? Well. Is it is it like do you do you incorporate a lot of uh like laptop setup or do you, do you does your live performance require you to have a like a rig ready to go? I did for years and and when I performed solo opening tours, I, many years I've I've done that push on stage all that, yeah. and I'm proud to say that my current setup has no computer on stage. It's great. Go out there, no click it feels awesome. And it's like, I just reached the point where it's like, this is my band. I can decide what it is. I like having the band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That, and that's where I'm at right now. It's just, it's pretty sick. And I feel like everyone's doing the opposite, but however, I'm not saying the computer thing is easier. It's hard. And the computer can train wreck on stage. And it has train wrecked on stage. I've had a fan lean on like my power adapter and just like shut the whole freaking show down, Jeez. you know, mid build up. It's of like, this, this is, this is ridiculous. I, I don't Can even want to, we lost I, I like my purse people. here. <laughs> we lost you for two like, minutes. Drinks on the stage. I'm like, I'm going to kick oh that. My, thing out of the- oh, I hate that so much. <laughs> yeah, I hate that, bro. Um, uh, so yeah. So, I feel like the reason why I do that, man, is because we all, our lives are so screen based and so computer based that when I, when people come and pay to see my band perform, I want to give them like a real live, live experience, live instruments. It, it hits different when it's, when it's not with the computer. Yeah. My whole, yeah. this has been the opposite. I mean, I've always played live and the computer is always kind of still bugs me out trying to make music on it. You know, so playing live is just, it's just the reaction. It's all in real time and, and without having to deal with electronics for me is a lot easier. So I, it's funny how you seem to have come full circle. Like in your I would life. say it's important if, if you're, if you intend on being like a master musician, it's important to do both. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you never want to, you never want to limit yourself. And it, it's the same thing with the vocals. It's like, okay, you've played so much bass. What's harder than playing bass? What's the next level of bass? Where do I go from here? It would be singing and playing bass. Yeah. You know, if you want to transcend, then doing both at the same time, then then you then you get a whole new mountain to, to to climb. Yeah. Um yeah, man, I mean I've uh like Matt, I've, you know, mostly just done just regular live playing with the bands and i i've seen some people do amazing stuff with dawes and it's something i've wanted to um incorporate into live performance i uh the past almost two years now i've been uh dabbling in stand-up comedy at open mics and i feel like 
there's like in the concept of building a, a set if you're if you're writing jokes it's like you need to make every word every second count that you can i mean obviously there's some wiggle room but it's like you your set building your set it's like you know what you're you're gonna go through and you have all these like punches in place and as much as i love improvising i love improvising so much i feel like you, like what you what you can do in the studio to to prepare with uh you know with a daw it's like almost like building a set the way a comedian would where you have those punches in there you have you have this like structure to put on like a like, all-encompassing entertaining experience not that you can't do that with a band but it's just like the what that does for the intricacy of your live performance i have so much respect for it. it's so cool that you that you Definitely. can put that you can make all that come to life you know from the studio um i know you've done live shows with mark reb i don't know how to yeah, yeah his Rebier, last name, yeah. but he's a master of that stuff i mean you know uh what's when you when you work with a setup like that is that is he like would you consider him someone more on the forefront of doing that or is it is it more so just you like well no he he improvises every that show you guys ever did, done that show you did that's online i was just telling brad before we start it's like an hour and 40 minute concert with uh with premiere that shit was amazing man i was blown away at the just to changing of feels the he's changing beats you're you're creating something new and then he's just like improvising with words and chords and it felt and sounded great like i was immediately drawn in and, and it was hilarious fun to listen to you guys look like you're having a blast what a performance man i had never checked that out thank you yeah yeah and and yeah um not one ounce of premeditation for that performance. It, it feels it. You're like on the tightrope the whole it's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. It it's cool. And I mean, dude, we did that. It went viral. There was like thirty thousand people watching live, what? which I forgot because we're just we're in the friggin' studio, just jamming in the studio I'm with Prem like every day. And then but there's like a camera over there that Mark sets up the camera himself, does it all himself. I mean, what he does is so, it's really hard to do, man, to sing and loop and all that. Like, he's not on a click. He's doing it live. There's no yeah. click. I don't he's, and he's, he's hilarious. Just doing it. The, the he's stuff, hilarious. Riffing on, like, I was telling Brad, he just starts talking about his feet on the sidewalk and just keeps repeating the phrase. And I was dying laughing and, like, moving because it was groovy the whole time. I was really, I'd never seen anything like that. I thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it in fact i'll probably watch it again later that shit was exciting as hell I show you with the songwriting thing it's like all these regular phrases work great it's not rocket science you can just have some sentence that repeats and it resonates with people you don't need a degree in songwriting for this shit mm. yeah. you know and i feel like society a lot of times tricks us into oh you need to you know there's like a method you need to uh do this and that and it's like yeah well yeah but you know at the same time maybe not i mean obviously he's done it a lot of time but these concepts aren't always rocket science you know with, with songwriting um and to be honest like so we did that video right we and then people loved it and then new york city booked us to headline um, Central Park. We, and we wow. performed a sold out Central Park. And this was like right when the pandemic stuff was opening. And um, 
we we performed Central Park. The only premeditation we had was that we're all wearing robes. That was the only talk about any <laughs> any music. Yeah, I do. I do remember so, that. <laughs> uh, just like it was um, Central Park, dude. Like ocean of humans, and me, Cream, and Mark walk out and just freestyle the two-hour set, dude. Wow. And it went. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Feeding off of that you kind of. You remove. You remove those boundaries of rehearsing and stuff. And hey, I love rehearsing. I like a tight set. Yeah. But when you get rid of it, sometimes even better stuff could happen. You don't know. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, as much as I was talking about building, planning your set in a DAW, the ability to do it to to incorporate so many complicated electronics into improvisation is so cool i mean i like i love the idea of uh premiere whoever or whoever else using vinyl in an improvisatory setting or using uh you know samples and you know that technology is hard enough to incorporate then you guys have to balance the loops and everything i mean it's it's yeah it's just so like it's it sounds like so much fun to do but it's so impressive to watch come together like uh improvised music like that it's 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 a cool place to see improvisation go um and uh yeah man i mean like i said it's so many things so many things you don't we could talk about that i uh that are very impressive and inspiring but i'm i'm curious to know since i know you got to be running with these crowds um you know i'm sure you meet a lot of comedians uh who's your favorite stand-up comedian and has stand-up comedy do you feel like it's or comedy in general has it influenced you as a musician would you say yeah i love stand-up and i've i've been around uh i've been around dave Chappelle like a lot since i was for the past 15 years because he's like best friends with talib quality in real life yeah. so pardon my cat sorry <laughs> <laughs> hey there <laughs> so yeah dude like Friggin' the Dave Chappelle is one of the best. I've been around him a lot, man, like uh, since I was younger. And uh, to see what he does is, is is crazy because he's that that comedian that everyone knows and loves. He's just that guy in real life. He's doing the same thing when you see him backstage. Everyone's listening to him and he's just talking, smoking cigarettes wherever he wants and being like, Hey, let's go uh, across the street. You just shut them down. We'll just bring everyone over there, you know, for the. And then you go there till like six in the morning, and like John Mayer's there, and like the freaking <laughs> president, you know. It's like yeah. this like insane world of like anything that you imagine can happen. Um, yeah, I've been around some really just next level humans man that have opened up opened my eyes to like oh damn that's you can do that you know um but yeah i love stand-up comedians in in general uh i love uh all of them you know joe rogan um louis yeah. who's the uh theo vaughn yeah theo's hilarious <laughs> i like uh all the, the classic guys george carlin um Mitch Hedberg. Actually, you know, speaking of Mitch Hedberg, didn't he used to go out with the upright bass player sometimes? 
Yeah, I think I had I had heard that. Um, yeah, he did some shows like that. I think Patrice O'Neill might have done that. Some something like that. I'd never seen. I don't. I mean, I know a lot of Mitch clips, but I don't know one with a bass. I have no idea. I I feel feel like like I've heard that too, though. Doing that, yeah, yeah. I heard that. I haven't seen it, but I feel like I've heard that about him. I want to pitch that to someone, some comedian. They'll they'll go out and I'll just be there freestyling on the upright. That would be dope. Yeah, yeah. I know those guys out in L.A. doing uh, who 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 runs it? I, those guys, I think, at the comedy store, they do they do a thing called like tiny sets where they do like really short jokes, and they'll they'll do ones where it's like it's just a really short joke with a band playing something like right after. Huh. There, there's some people have have done some stuff in that direction but um i mean i would i'd love to see more some people tell me at the open mics i go to again i'm a beginner i suck people tell me that i should be sorry i'm just plugging my charger in that i should like bring out my base for for it and i don't i i feel like i i I should work on jokes first but i feel like if you find the right guy i feel like a professional knows how to not only roll with that and work with the, with the base but you can write around that like you you can build your your set basically around the vibe that you're setting up by bringing that whole base out like it's a whole another thing i feel like yeah um, yeah but uh i i hope yeah, to i want to do that it would be that'd, that'd be good you know, practice too it could be an extension of bass and bars <laughs> right it could be the oh, live yeah, bass right, live right, bass right. and bars <laughs> yeah um Different but uh, a good idea um now if you weren't able to do you know what you're doing in music now what would be the art that you think you would gravitate to next if you had to pick a different path um i'm kind of doing it with with the lyrics man with the singing and the lyrics because that's like like no like not not outside of bass not not outside of that Mm. outside of music if you had to pick a different discipline altogether. But yeah, yeah. The, the writing feels like it. It's a completely different discipline because it's words. It's a whole new friggin' world, dude. It's like, I had to work on that writing every day. Writing, writing, writing. Learn how to rhyme. Um, but but yeah, if we're to go outside of music, what would I do? I, I Dude, honestly, like, I always um, fantasize of just like, being like a freaking firefighter like what if i was just like a sanitation worker you know what i mean mm. <laughs> like a regular job like yeah. just because i've never had that well i used to do manual labor before all this but never had that uh that life some is enticing but i obviously like if i was to do it i'd probably get sick of it after like a month but in my mind i think about it because it's always my life's always been this freaking roller coaster, you know. Yeah, it's I never been take a month meditation. Probably a day, you'd be done. A day, yeah. Well, I have, <laughs> I have no sense of smell, so I'm, oh. I'm made for it. Oh, that's why you anosmia is that what that's called? I was born without a sense of smell. I mean, I just can't smell nothing. I'm smell blind, like Dewey Cox. Huh. Wow. Interesting. Hmm. Oh, um, can't smell nothing. Damn, huh? I didn't know that. A, was but thing. yeah, anosmia yeah. though—that's the—that's the term, right? Maybe I so. Think. I mean, I don't know. I had, I had a doctor's appointment yesterday. Didn't bring it up again. It's so dumb. Like I probably, 
I probably should have just like asked my doctor. My parents brought it up at some point in the last 36 years, but it's never been brought up. Wow. Do, do you feel like that, that strengthens like your taste of, or your sense of taste? Do you have like a, are, you, it has, are you, it has to. Like, do you, are you very opinionated about taste? Like when you're eating, are you, do you really like get into it or do you feel like it's not sharp? It's, it's all I know. So I don't really know. Huh. Yeah, interesting. I, I, it's hard. It's hard to think of interview questions to ask about not having a sense of smell because I I don't have a great sense of smell, but I I can't imagine being without it. It's interesting. Okay, and here goes yeah, my cat again. Smell blind though. Yeah, man. Um. All right. Well, it's about it's eleven thirty. Um. We're gonna we're gonna get wrapping it up. Um. I, okay. One last very short very short answer. Okay. If if if, if the if you had to give the fans one of your guilty pleasure songs to listen to or artists to listen to that they would not expect. What's, what are you throwing on for your guilty pleasure? Uh, there, there are a bunch of them. Um, I mean, it, I don't even know if it's a guilty pleasure. It's a great band. Love Coldplay. Love Coldplay. Okay. Would not have expected. But yeah. Music. Um, who else do I like? I mean, there's a lot of like rap stuff that's just... I don't know if it's a guilty pleasure though, but yeah, let's I, say Coldplay. Okay, okay, yeah, just like something that people wouldn't expect based on what we've been talking about. Um, I mean, like I said, man, you cross so many genres. And I love country, a... love country. Yeah. Okay, I I like a few Music. good songs. I mean, I love some Patsy Cline, some uh, Hank yeah. Williams Jr. I feel you, man. There's some cool shit out there. I like the um, new stuff too, man. Love it. Um, well, yeah, man. I mean, you cross so many genres. You do such a good job of it. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see what's coming. Um, what should, what should people be on the lookout for? I know they should check out the new styles P album. I know they should check out bass and bars. What, what do you want to tell them about? Yeah, just, uh, follow me. I, I release music and videos constantly. So just, you're going to, you're going to be getting something from me every day. So be there, be there for awesome. it. There's, yeah. There's a lot of music coming all, all year, man. I do this, do this every day. Awesome. Well, thank you again, man. It was an honor talking to you. I appreciate it. And uh, you're always welcome back. So, yeah, man, really thank you, man. Meet you and, and hear about your career. Incredible to, to talk to you, man. Thanks so much for doing it. Nice to meet you guys. And when I come up to Albany, we'll go out to eat. Oh, awesome. Let us know. You let us know. Um, yeah. But anyways, I'm going to come up there soon. I got it. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Anytime you let, you let us know, we'll let you know what's up with Albany and, uh, and uh we appreciate it man i uh, hope you have a good rest of your day robe looks so nice gotta say again oh, i gotta get myself yeah, I'm about a, to hop in the shower i gotta get a better robe myself hopefully next time we talk all the better yeah. there but, you go yeah next interview i need you guys <laughs> <in> robes <laughs> <laughs> awesome. all right man well uh yeah if you want to hop off the zoom we'll we'll yeah we'll keep it going in here but have a good one take care man later fellas later Bye-bye. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm not going to be able to do that.